there. Do you love kindling conversation? Make your voice heard and vote for it at the Australian Podcast Awards. Head to kindling.com.au slash vote. But do it soon, because voting closes April 1st. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Endometriosis can be a debilitating condition, and yet many women who have it remain undiagnosed. In fact, I think the average time for a woman to be diagnosed with endometriosis is between 7 and 10 years, which is unbelievable. It's an illness that can create obstacles to falling pregnant. So... Can you suffer from endometriosis and still fall pregnant? Heba Shahid is a women's health physiotherapist and a women's health advocate. And if there's a condition that needs advocacy, it's certainly endometriosis. She's here to talk to us about it and having a family. Hi, Heba. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. What is endometriosis? Okay, so endometriosis is a condition where if you think about the lining of the uterus, the cells that make up that lining, they're only supposed to exist there in the lining. But in endometriosis, the cells that are similar to these are found in other places, in your pelvis and even outside of your pelvis. So sometimes these cells are found on your ovaries, on your fallopian tubes, they can be found on your bowels, they can be found even in places like your diaphragm, your lungs, and in some cases, they've even been found on the brain. Wow. Yeah. And what does, that, what does that mean for a person when that's happening? If you think about if a woman has a period, normally that uterine lining it bleeds and it comes out of the body. But with these other cells that are found in other places in your body, there's nowhere for them to leave. So they build up. And so you get this chronic inflammation that occurs, scarring. A lot of women with endometriosis develop adhesions, especially the later stages of endometriosis. A lot of women develop pelvic pain. The, the, the main symptom is period pain, but they may also go on to have more severe period pain, cramping, clotting, like heavy bleeding, but also pelvic pain outside of their period. All of that, you know, if it keeps on building, keeps on happening, can eventually lead to fertility problems. Now, the thing that I don't understand about endometriosis is why does it take so long to diagnose and why does it feel like nobody knows about it? Why does it feel like this mysterious thing? Like I know, no. I know women who have it yeah. who have been completely knocked out of commission yeah. and, not, and just thought people kind of went, oh, what's wrong with them? Oh, it's got period pain. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the problem, right? Like people think that period pain is normal. And for so long growing up, women have been told period pain is normal. And whenever they go to see their doctors or, they, or, or you know, anybody that they just speak to about it, they're just constantly told, you know, it's normal. Um, you know, a lot of people have been told a lot of negative language like, get over it, you're faking it, you're hypermochondriac, oh, you're just so precious, like all this type of negative language. And so for so long, nobody's taking them seriously. And so, um, you know, that's why, as you mentioned, the, the diagnosis delay is seven to 10 years, which is completely ridiculous. Like girls are having severe period pain from their first period, which might be at nine years old or, or in their teens. And then it just consistently either stays painful or it becomes worse in pain. And, you know, they're just told, oh, you know, your, your, your mum had period pain, your sister has, or everyone has period pain or, you know, it's normal and just put up with it. However, if we listen to women, we hear them, we listen to them and girls when they're young, um, we can prevent 
uh, from getting so bad. Like we get in, you know, we, we start mitigating the issue straight away and they can actually go on to live healthier lives instead of being, you know, as you said, put out of commission completely um, and then having fertility problems when they're 30 or, or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, and I think it's just because it's been normalized for so long. And also because it's a women's issue. Let's put it, let's, let's sweep it underneath the rug. Uh, you know, don't talk about it. You know, it, it wasn't very long ago that you wouldn't talk about breast breast problems. And now breast cancer has a lot of funding and research because, you know, people in high positions talked about it. You know, it's just something we don't talk about. And so it's not addressed. We need to talk about it more. That's right. Um, so let's come forward to a point where you want to have a family and you've had endometriosis diagnosed or undiagnosed, but let's just say in today's age, it's most likely that you've been suffering for a long time without actually having any healing applied to Mm. what's going on. How much impact can that kind of untreated endometriosis have on your chances of falling pregnant? Yeah. So it depends on how much the endometriosis has grown, so the extent of it and where it is, right? So if the endometriosis is on your ovaries or in your fallopian tubes, then you're going to have trouble. There's a lot of women who actually had to have ovaries removed. So that means that now they only have one working ovary, right? Or their fallopian tubes are so blocked up with endometriosis that there's no way a sperm is going to go through and reach the ovary. So if it's grown to that point, if it has affected those areas, then they're going to struggle with fertility. So it's about where it is. And then the other thing is is how much scarring and adhesions you have. In endometriosis, when you reach the stage three, stage four endometriosis, things start sticking together. So your bowels are sticking to your ovaries. Your ovaries are sticking to your bladder. Your, you know, your, your ovaries are sticking to your fallopian tubes. Like everything is just kind of like all stuck together. So again it becomes almost like this rock hard thing that it's very difficult for the sperm again to find the egg in the ovary. So a lot of women then will have to go on to have IVF or they might have to have some type of fertility treatment to help them to fall pregnant again. And then the issue with that is that a lot of these fertility treatments involve things like estrogen and so on, which can actually make endometriosis worse. So you almost have this catch-22 of, you know, you're going to be having horrendous symptoms like pain and sickness, vomiting and things like that. On the other hand, you know, you want to fall pregnant. Um, So they can't, um, I mean, excuse my ignorance, but that you can't operate to unstick or clear out the fallopian tubes? Of course you can. So that's one of the treatments that they, well, this, that's the gold standard of treatment of endometriosis is that you must have a surgery which is a laparoscopy that is done by a specialist gynecologist. So not any gyno can do this. It's a specialist gynecologist who specializes in the excision of endometriosis. Um, They go in through little holes um, in your belly button and one, two, three on your pelvis. um, And they go in and they remove the endometriosis. Um, They have to cut out as much or all of it if they can. Otherwise, it can grow back. However, if you've left it for so long, like let's say, you know, you have, your first period was when you were 13, for example, and you're, you've been trying to fall pregnant and now you're 30 and you're like, I'm not falling pregnant. What's happening? Um, you know, because a lot of women, they have period pain and then they go on the pill for a while and, you know, it masks the symptom of endometriosis and they don't realize that they have endo. 
Um, and then they go off the pill, their period pain comes back and they're not falling pregnant. What's happening? So not only do they have the pain and the stress of not falling pregnant, they've also got this endometriosis growth. And then that's when they're like, okay, now we're seeing a gynecologist. The gynecologist thinks perhaps it's endometriosis. They go in, they realize that it's everywhere. Um, and then and then you're kind of doing damage control because you're, you know, if it's, like I said, on your ovaries of your fallopian tubes, then, you know, sometimes you lose those, you, lo- you could lose an ovary. Um, and, you know, it's just the whole thing just becomes so difficult. Whereas if we had caught them when she was 13, you know, um, did a surgery, you know, some, at some time in, in that early time um, after she's diagnosed at 13, and then told her what she needs to do to keep herself healthy. So around things like nutrition, stress management, you know, uh, they might put her on a pill or a marina or something to control the hormones. If you have a good management strategy in place from early on, you can prevent those fertility problems later on. But like you said, the 7 to 10 years di- diagnosis delay, it's ridiculous. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Heba Shahid. She's a women's health physiotherapist and advocate for women's health. And we're talking about endometriosis and its impact, it, the impact it can have on fertility. Hey, but I'm really interested. I know you're passionate about this topic because it affected you. I mean, what was your experience with endometriosis? Yeah, so for me, um, my first period was at the age of 14. And of course, it was painful. But when I looked around me, all the girls seemed to be in pain. So I just thought, oh, myself, I thought it was normal. When I brought it up with my family, like my mother had never had period pain, but um you know, she, she didn't really know, she didn't really understand this concept anyway. Um, and when I spoke to doctors, that was the same response I got. I think I'd seen dozens and dozens of doctors over my childhood, but no one gave me any answers. There were even times when I was hospitalized. Like I remember being, I think it was grade eight. So it was very early in my period. Um, like I, I, I just kind of woke up in the middle of the night and I was in agony. I thought I was going to, I thought my uterus was going to explode. That's how much pain I was in. It was like knife stabbing me. Like it was terrible. And I managed to crawl myself down the stairs to my parents' bedroom. Um, and then they took me to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, there was no mention possibly. Like they, they, they started asking me like things like, are you sexually active? It could be a SD or something. I'm like, I'm not. Like, it's not that. I'm like, this is my period. Like there's something wrong with my period. I just come off my period like, what's, what's going on? There's something's wrong. They just pumped me with morphine and sent me home the next day with nothing, like no referral to see a gynecologist. Like the least I feel that people should do is refer to a gyno because a gyno knows this stuff. A GP is, I don't blame them if they don't know about this, but gynecologists know. So if a girl or a woman is complaining of pelvic related issues, uterus related issues, period related issues, the first thing in you know a person's mind should be see a gynecologist, you know, but no one ever said that to me. I didn't know anything back then. I was just a kid. And so, you know, for the for from then on, like I just had had horrible period pain. I never went on the pill or anything like that. Um, I didn't even know they never, they never even told me to go on the pill. Like, and also there's that cultural thing, like, oh, the pill is made for birth control. So, ooh, if you take the pill, it's you know something not not you know not appropriate. Um, yeah, so I went on to have so much pain my entire life to the point where I was in chronic pain. So I wasn't just in pain in my periods. I was by the time I was 21, I was in pain on a daily basis in my pelvis, down my legs, in my back, um, just like chronic pain. Like it was just terrible. It got to a point where I was just like, how am I living my life? Like I can't even, I don't even feel like I should be living. Like it was just this, you know, this constant pain. 
And then finally, like I was at that point now had graduated as a physiotherapist. And I'm like, there's got to be something. And, and then I found out about women's health physio. And then I went to see a women's health physio. And then she's like, it sounds like endo. So a physio diagnosed. And that's the thing. Now me, as a physio who specializes in endometriosis, I'm the one now telling girls and women who come into my clinic when I was working, sounds like endo, go and see a gyno, you know? So like, wow. obviously what's happened, you know, it's, it's been a good thing in a way in that now I can help other women who have endometriosis. But um, yeah, it was a terrible journey to have to go through and I wouldn't wish it on anyone else. And I just wish that, you know, the conversation started much earlier on. And you've obviously, well, not obviously, people don't know, you have a baby, a beautiful yes. baby. Have a um, nine-month-old. Yes. So how was the process for you falling pregnant? So um, for me, like my, my endometriosis wasn't at a stage four. And so um, it, it wasn't in any, well, there was some on the ovary to the bowel on the left, but I still had a good right ovary. I didn't really have anything on my fallopian tubes. So from that point of view, it it was fine in terms of pregnancy, uh, in terms of being able to fall pregnant. You know, they went in, in I had a laparoscopy uh, in 2014 um, and they went in, they took everything out, you know, and I should have fall pre- fallen pregnant, but I didn't. I actually struggled to fall pregnant for almost a year and a half. And the reason for that is because like with endometriosis, it's not just the endo. It's everything that comes along with it. You're in chronic pain. You're in chronic stress. You're in chronic inflammation. Like I was having horrible IBS symptoms, bowel symptoms. It becomes a whole body thing. So your body, the thing about your body is like, so this is now my expertise in hormones. Your body, when you're in fight or flight, which is essentially what you're in when you're in chronic pain, the opposite of fight or flight is rest and reproduce. If you're spending your life in fight or flight, which I did for you know, over 15 years, your body's not going to prioritize rest and reproduce. So you're actually not forming the hormones, which is progesterone, that helps you to, to, to fall pregnant because it's constantly burning through progesterone to form cortisol, your stress hormone. So for me, it was actually, I had to go and just do a lot of work around, okay, just working on getting my chronic pain down, stress management, self-care, you know, care about, care, you know, looking into looking after myself, nutrition, because I knew that, Foods can really muck up your digestive system and that mucks up your reproductive system. Um, So looking at it more of a holistically, which is what brought me to what I do now, which is a holistic approach in managing endometriosis. So now my clients, when they come to see me, they come for fertility, but they're coming more because of that holistic approach. They want me to look at what's happening in their hormones, what's happening in their nutrition, what's happening in their pelvic floor. Are their muscles so tight that every time they try to have sex, it's so painful that okay, I'm going to stop sex because, I, you know, how, how am I going to fall pregnant if I can't even handle the pain of intercourse, right? So looking at it kind of at a holistic sort of view, everything, not just falling pregnant, but getting better so that I'm healthy and I can have a healthy pregnancy and I can be a mum who's there and healthy and not in pain and mm-hmm. suffering from my own issues. God, there's so much to that, isn't it? It sounds like we- We've got to keep talking about it. We might have to stop now, though, unfortunately. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Heba, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Siobhan. It's been my pleasure. That's Heba Shahid. She's a women's health physiotherapist and an advocate for women's health. Hey there. Do you love Kindling Conversation? Make your voice heard and vote for it at the Australian Podcast Awards. Head to kindling.com.au slash vote. But do it soon, because voting closes April 1st. <laughs> 